Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Suzanne Blemson. Today we're looking at Pakistan's blasphemy laws, which are the harshest in the world. Faham Bakari and Jotsna Singh discuss the case of Azia Bibi, a Pakistani Christian woman, recently released from prison, where she had spent eight years for alleged blasphemy, and why, despite her acquittal, she has been forced into hiding in fear of her life. Farhan, Asya Bibi's release by the Supreme Court triggered violent protests by Muslim hardliners calling for her execution. Take us through the events of recent days. Within minutes of the Supreme Court verdict, which set Asya Bibi free more than eight years after she was arrested, people began spontaneously protesting, protesting on the big highway from Lahore to Islamabad, protesting inside major cities, burning cars and motorcycles. And this all immediately suggested that there was a mass defiance of the Supreme Court's verdict on this very controversial case. So who is Asya Bibi and what is she accused of doing? Asia Bibi, a poor Christian woman who's semi-literate from all the accounts that I've heard, was a farm worker, was arrested about nine years ago over a quarrel between two other Muslim women. And one of the women, through a man in her family, filed a police report claiming that Asia Bibi had committed blasphemy, had uttered, quote-unquote, blasphemous words about Islam. Asia Bibi, throughout these years, while in captivity, in jail, has denied the charges. But the bigger issue is the case itself and Pakistan's blasphemy laws. And I think throughout this history, it has been clear that an important aspect of the Pakistani law may have been abused time and again because there are gaps in the way that particular law has to be applied. The background goes back almost 40 years, 1979, Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, and what followed the U.S. backing and the Saudi backing for the Afghan Mujahideen resistance, the Afghan holy warriors, as they used to be called. This resistance mainly consisted of members of Islamic groups who were funded, supported by Saudi Arabia and the U.S. And on the Pakistani side of the border, the empowerment of Pakistani Islamic groups all geared towards supporting their brethren across the border in Afghanistan. Forty years later, these people are not only committed to jihad or the holy war, they've gone a step further. They want to have their influence across the state, across society. And the blasphemy laws uh, therefore become a tool for members of such groups to make their presence known. So in Pakistan, violation of its blasphemy law invites penalties ranging from fine to death. As you're saying, the law is prone to misuse. Could you elaborate on that? How is it misused and what kind of changes are needed to fix that? Well, this law, the blasphemy law, has mostly become controversial after it's been taken up by hardline Islamic groups, such as the one that led the recent protests on the matter of Asia Bibi. And because these people 
even though they don't have enough members of parliament to have ever formed the government in Islamabad, and yet they have the numbers to block the streets, protest, violent protests at times. Therefore, they've become quite a big obstacle for successive governments to reform this law, to change the law. And that is essentially why this has become such a politically sensitive issue. How has the government of Prime Minister Imran Khan handled the aftermath of Asia Bibi's release and what more is expected of him? Now, the government has arrested scores of members of the group which led the most recent protests against Asia Bibi. So in that sense, there seems to be some hope that Imran Khan's government is beginning to move against groups which have been blocking the reforms. But arresting scores of people, we've heard accounts that more than a thousand people have been arrested. That is not a permanent solution. A permanent solution undoubtedly will come about when this matter is taken to the parliament, discussed, debated, and some meaningful reform comes about so that in future, even if the law remains on the books, it should not be used to target people. For Imran Khan... Because Asia Bibi's case has landed right in the middle of the global spotlight, it's a challenging matter because from countries across Europe, the US, Canada, there have been calls to allow Asia Bibi to leave Pakistan, to go into exile at the very least, and also once again calls for the government to do something about this matter so that the blasphemy law in its present form is not used in future to similarly affect non-Muslims. But of course, that requires reforms, and reforms will automatically put Imran Khan and his government at odds with the Islamic groups in Pakistan. So it's not an easy one for him to tackle. Tell us about the deep polarization of Pakistani society that has been highlighted by Asya Bibi's case. The case clearly demonstrates the divisions between the Islamists as opposed to people committed to liberal or secular values. In 2011, former governor of the Punjab, Salman Taseer, was killed by one of his police gunmen on the grounds that the governor had quote-unquote shown sympathy towards Asia Bibi and said publicly that he was wrongfully charged. Few months later, again in 2011, Shabazz Bhatti, the only Christian member of the cabinet back at that time, was also killed on the same grounds. That gives you an idea about how the internal situation remains deeply polarized. Give us a sense of what it is like to live in Pakistan for religious minorities, for Christians. In the past 40 years since Pakistan has been increasingly surrounded by Islamic laws, life for non-Muslims, including Christians, has been tough. A number of Christian community leaders have told me that their followers have often complained of facing discrimination on the workplace and students at colleges and universities have cited similar examples. Many Christians have chosen to leave Pakistan, to migrate to the Western world, to other countries, to stay away from the circumstances which surround them in Pakistan. 
So despite her release, Asya Bibi is not a free woman and her lawyer too has been living in exile. What happens next? Just a few days after the recent protests, Asya Bibi's lawyer simply fled the country. He has subsequently taken temporary refuge in the Netherlands and the indications are that he fears for his life in Pakistan and therefore would not be returning home in the near future. And it's hardly surprising that Asya Bibi, her husband and their children remain under the government's protective custody in Islamabad waiting for a Supreme Court review of the outcome of the case. Pending that review, the government has put her and the family on something known as an exit control list, which is a list of people who, for various legal reasons, are not allowed to leave Pakistan. Till that matter is resolved, and eventually Asya Bibi finds a way to leave Pakistan to go into exile along with her family members, I think the family will either remain practically under house arrest as they are right now, or there's a big danger that they might be attacked. That was Faham Bakari in Islamabad talking to Jotham Singh. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more news tomorrow, but in the meantime, do take a look at our latest subscriber offer, which you can find at ft.com slash offer. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.